joining us on the three ways here on the show. Times and I don't think well maybe it is a tough topic today um, because I, I didn't say this to you Ev but I actually am going to be devil's advocate today in our uh-huh. conversation and we're going to be talking Good. with Dr. Everett Worthington. Welcome to our show, uh, Ev, and he's given me permission to call uh-huh. him Ev, so yeah. I will happily do so. Well, good and to be with you, Heather. Uh huh. Good. And uh, you have done a lot of work, a lot of studies, and a lot of publishing on what it means to forgive and the nece- necessary um, quantity, qualities of forgiveness. And I should probably do a formal uh, introduction for you. You are Commonwealth Professor of Psychology at Virginia Commonwealth University. That's the largest university in Virginia. And he's also a licensed clinical psychologist in Virginia. You've had over 35 books, 400 articles, and scholarly chapters, and mostly on forgiveness and marriage and family. And uh, you are also often quoted in the popular media, so we're very happy to have you with us today. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, um, when I said to you that I'm going to play devil's advocate, it's because I really am. Um, I don't necessarily believe in forgiveness. Is uh-huh. that terrible? Have you ever heard anybody say that before? <laughs> oh, many people. So oh, really? I have Here, a, I thought it was so unique. <laughs> no, I, I, have a, I have a life mission, and uh, my mission is to do all I can to promote forgiveness in every willing heart, home, and homeland. <laughs> and I, I italicize willing because, you know, we, I, I don't think it's a good idea to try to force forgiveness on people that don't value it. Well, I think that I've seen some people... Um, Say they forgive, but you can tell they really don't. You can tell it's just festering in them. I think that, first of all, we should talk about why you think it's necessary to forgive. Well, again, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's necessary. In fact, when I talk about forgiveness, I go through a litany of many, many ways to deal with injustices that don't involve forgiveness, such as getting justice or seeing justice done by the justice system or turning it over to God or just accepting and moving on with life or forbearing or excusing or justifying. There there are many ways that people use to deal with injustices. Forgiveness is one of those ways. I, I think it's a helpful way for people who value it, but, uh, you know, like I say, I would not ever try to force it on someone who doesn't value it. I think in our popular interpretation of that, and I live, we were talking off air about, I live on the West Coast, so we're trendy, Uh you know, we eat our kale, even (laughs) if there's something more nutritious that tastes better, but we're going to eat the kale, you know, Um, and and I think that it has become very trendy to say that we forgive, we forgive, you have to let it go, you have to forgive, Um, and I'm not sure why, and I'm I'm kind of pleased, actually, to hear you say that there are other ways mm-hmm. to deal with injustice. One of the ways that you talked about, though, or that you just mentioned, is forbearing. Right. What does that mean? What, what, how does, what does that have to do with, yeah. with dealing well, with injustice? Yeah, forbearance is, uh, is something that's practiced often in places like the People's Republic of China, uh, for example, but practiced by other people, too. Forbearance is when I I just 
for the sake of group harmony or social harmony in a relationship, I, I choose not to respond negatively to the person. And so, you know, we just don't respond to the provocation uh, when we see the person. Now, you know, in the U.S., because we are a fairly individualistic society, often people who suppress their emotional responses um, end up with problems like psychosomatic problems and, you know, and a lot of stress. But when you're in a collectivistic society where the the norm of the society is not to express the emotions, then it becomes really stressful to express your emotions. So, you know, forbearance is is that, you know, I am not going to react because it's good for group harmony if I don't or or social harmony with an individual if I don't react. Hmm. Do we see that in families? Well, we can see that in families. Uh, you know, forbearance is a, a legitimate way of dealing with uh, any kind of conflicts. Uh, uh, there's nothing that says that we have to talk everything out and work everything out and spill our guts. You know, uh, so many times people will will go, well, this is not worth fighting about, and they just don't respond to the provocation. Uh, now, sometimes it'll build up over time, and, and you've got to clear the air in some way, but but that doesn't mean every single time you perceive some little injustice happening that you have to talk it out. Hmm. Has our opinion, our meaning collectively our cultural opinion of the, of of what forgiveness means or the need for for forgiveness changed in the last few decades or have you seen a change? Are we still viewing it the same way? Yeah, I I've seen actually quite a a real you know, start change. Um, back, I would say, in the in the 80s, people tended to think of forgiveness as something that religious people do, and um, and then, uh, ironically, a theologian named Lewis Smeads, who is a uh, professor of theology at uh, Fuller Seminary in California, um, wrote a book that was a you know, mega bestseller called Forgive and Forget, Healing the Hurts We Don't Deserve. And the irony of that was, although he was a theologian, he hardly mentioned religion. And the appeal that he made was that people should forgive because it's good for them to forgive. It's, you know, it's good for their health, it's good for their mental health, it's good for their relationships, it's good for their spirituality, you know, it's good for for us to forgive. And so for self-enhancing, self-interested reasons, we ought to forgive. Well, that appeal was uh, right in the sweet spot of psychotherapists. And so therapists got into the onto the bandwagon there and started writing articles that were clinical articles about uh, how to help people forgive. 
And researchers started to study those benefits of forgiving, and the benefits are huge. We just uh, brought out a book in 2015, uh, Lauren Toussaint at Luther uh, College, myself and David Williams at Harvard, uh, brought out an edited book uh, on forgiveness and health, and uh, it had like 20-some-odd research teams that looked at different areas of health and how all this research had accumulated over the years and and uh, showed that better health comes with forgiving. So, so, you know, things changed from, you know, this is a religious issue to this is a very secular issue. I mean, to forgive is, is human. Uh, it's not... Uh, owned by any religion, and all five major religions uh, value forgiveness, although they <clears throat> they understand its its role and sometimes its function differently. I think that part of the reason that I um, say I don't forgive or I don't do that kind of stuff, um, I, of course I do. You know, depending on on what mm-hmm. the circumstance is, but um, the I, the to me, it, it appears that people who espouse forgiveness, oh, you have to forgive, you have to forgive, make two assumptions that I don't necessarily agree with. One is you have to forgive, somehow or other make this, this pronouncement or this uh, um, dedication. You have to forgive in order to move on. Mm-hmm. The other one is, is that it's a selfish thing. Isn't forgiveness, by definition, an unselfish thing? And yet I feel like we've turned it into a very selfish thing. Mm-hmm. Does well, that, do either of those two make sense? Yeah. <laughs> Am I yeah. hopelessly, hopelessly no. warped here? <laughs> no, but, you know, so we have actually looked at uh, kind of uh, parametric analyses. So these are like where you take a variable and you just you know, do a study, and then you change that one variable, and you do the study, and you change it a little more, and you do the study. And so we've looked at people's motives for forgiving. And basically what we found is that people, you know, who forgive because it's good for them to forgive get a benefit out of it. But the amount of benefit that they get is about, like two tenths of a standard deviation of lasting change. Now that, you know, that just means uh, it's it's small but important. Uh, two tenths of a standard deviation. Uh, and furthermore, they can they can forgive because they see it's good for me to forgive. They can get that point right away. It, you know, within ten minutes. If I had ten minutes to spend with somebody. Uh, you know, in a counseling session, for example, then uh, by the end of that time, they probably would be going, yeah, it's good for me to forgive. It's good for my relationships. It's good for my spiritual life. It's good for my mental health. It's good for my physical health. And and they get that lasting benefit. But if we forgive in that unselfish way as kind of an altruistic gift that we can give to the other person, then what happens is people don't want to do that quickly. 
So something happens to me. The last thing I want to do is, yeah, I want to give a, a gift of forgiveness to this person who really hurt me. You know, no, people don't want to do that. So it takes a, a while for the motivation to build up that they want to forgive so that this person can be kind of set free from guilt or whatever. And so so what we find there is that there's a, a linear, a straight-line relationship between the amount of time that people spend trying to forgive to bless somebody else and the amount of forgiveness they can actually experience. So if they spend two hours, say, going through my program to reach forgiveness, uh, then they get two-tenths of a standard deviation of change. Again, small and about the same size as self-enhancing forgiveness gets in ten minutes. But if they go four hours, they get four-tenths of a standard deviation, whereas when we compare head-to-head, four hours of trying to change with the motivation that I will benefit from this, that still only gets two-tenths of a standard deviation. If they try eight hours, eight-tenths of a standard deviation. Twelve hours, 1.2 standard deviations. And to put that into context, if I go to psychotherapy for 26 weeks of cognitive behavioral therapy for depression, the amount that my my mood changes is 1.2 standard deviations. If I go through a forgiveness group, I forgive one uh, by 1.2 standard deviations of change. And, oh, by the way, my depression will get better, 0.6 standard deviations. My anxiety will get better, 0.6 standard deviations. My hope will change, 1.2 standard deviations. All these come from what you know psychologists call meta-analytic studies. Meta-analytic studies are studies that look at a, a large amount of research and try to put it on one measuring stick and then you know can see what the effect is uh, of a certain type of change. Yeah. I want to jump in here for a moment. Um, if you would like to join us or if you have a comment, um, the chat room is open. I see there's already a couple comments there. And if you would like to call us and be on air, it is 646 646- Three seven eight zero four three zero. That's six four six three seven eight zero four three zero. So I hope you join me, and and it's it's not just my attitude that doesn't seem to mesh with the popular attitudes about forgiveness. Um, and I think that you know one of the things that I have heard because I will just tell people. Um, there are some things that people have, you know, some behaviors I've encountered or situations I've encountered where I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, okay, yeah, fine, that was hurtful or that was, uh, you know, whatever. But, you know, the person didn't mean it. You know, they didn't mm-hmm. know that that was going to have that result. And so, of course, you just, you know, I, I forgive is the word. You just do that. Um, <laughs> but there are some things that I feel people have chosen to do. It's been egregious behavior. And... I don't choose to forgive that. I think that in the first place, they haven't asked me for forgiveness. So why Mm -hmm. would I bother? And in the second place, I don't think that my not 
forgiving, my not pronouncing forgiveness um, in my heart for this person has precluded me from moving on with my life. And, you know, I, I guess popular terminology is letting it go. I would say that we don't let things go. We always carry a little tiny thread somehow. Um, but that's my feeling. That's my opinion. And I, I find that whenever I've discussed this with people, they're shocked and appalled that I would suggest that I wouldn't forgive. Um, and my standard response is, well, in the first place, if you want forgiveness, probably you, sh- you need to go to a higher power than me. <laughs> you need to go to somebody <laughs> with more clout than me <laughs> yeah, uh... for that. And in the second place, um, no, I think there are some things that people have chosen to do. It's so egregious. And no, there, I don't feel that I need to forgive that. So am I just <laughs> some cranky old person here? Well, no, like I said, there are many ways that people deal with injustices. And, you know, uh, they they tend to be more or less satisfying for people. So, for example, someone sees a loved one or, or, you know, sees that one of their loved ones is murdered. And then the person gets caught and, and they think, oh, well, if I see justice done, then that is what I need to see. And so they go and they watch this person be executed, you know, and then almost universally they come away and say, that didn't fix things, you know, because many, many injustices happen, not just, this is not just a matter of a life for a life, but the impact of that crime on myself, on my brother, my sister, my, uh, you know, all of the the people that I know, all the people that knew the people, the person that was killed, uh, that 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 impact is huge, and and so just getting justice doesn't often. I mean, it leaves not just a thread, but it leaves a rope uh, uh, left over of of unresolved. It, emotions and and issues now probably you know in combination with that a person could for example be um you know just say well i'm just going to accept this you know life happens you know i am going to accept this and move on with my life life is too short for me to sit around thinking bad thoughts about this person who did this horrible crime and and that's good you know that that will usually help them calm down it will help them get less negative emotion you know and and it will you know have a positive effect on their health relative to if they're just kind of seething with anger and and ruminating all the time so uh, but the what it doesn't do is it it doesn't really create any kind of positive feelings toward the person who hurt you now if a person is a you know has done a crime against me i don't really care about positive feelings very much you know i mean i all i want to do is get rid of my negative feelings uh, you know i don't want to hang out with this person but if the person who hurt me was somebody that I value and somebody I am in a continuing relationship with, so let's say it's my spouse or my mother or you know or someone, 
I'm usually not satisfied to say, yeah, I've gotten to total neutrality toward this person. I don't, I don't really feel anything toward them. I really want to build in a net positive and just accepting or forbearing or seeing justice done, those things will get you to zero, but they won't get you past zero. So I think that's one of the places where forgiveness actually has a a kind of a leg up on some of the other alternatives to uh, to forgiving. So does, it sounds to me like forgiveness is a very selfish act to some extent, and we tend to think of it more as a very loving and open and selfless act. Hmm. Well, you know, as I say, people engage in it for different motivations, and you know, they engage in it for self-benefit. But, you know, I I eat for my self-benefit, and I don't feel that I'm particularly selfish for eating. And, you know, I breathe for my self-benefit. There, there are many Clearly things Clearly you do. haven't been eating some of the things that I've been eating. <laughs> yeah, not, no kale this week, actually. Yes, that's right. I went straight for the chocolate, okay? Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, but but you know, so so you know, self-enhancing behavior. There there are many reasons. I mean, we do all kinds of things that are good for us that we do because we want them to be good for us, and they don't make us selfish. They're like exercise or exercising self-discipline of of all kinds of ways. So so they're self-enhancing, but they're not necessarily selfish. Uh, motives, but remember the power in forgiveness comes more to the extent that a person can say, "You know, yes, this is good for me, but I also am in a unique position with this person. I can give this person something other people can't. I can kind of release this person at least in my mind so you know, uh, from from you know blame and guilt and and things like that. Now that socially that doesn't change things, right? So my my mother was murdered back in the nineteen eighty uh, 1990s, and you know I forgave the young man who did it. But socially, if if he were to get caught, he still has to face the justice system. You know, so it did not change the social end of things because justice is social and societal, whereas forgiveness is something that happens inside my skin. So it's it's a decision I make about how I hope to behave in the future toward this person. And a second type of forgiveness is a uh, is an emotional change. Can I ask a question about that one, though? Uh-huh. Uh huh. You say that. You know, you shared your personal situation, and you said, so forgiveness is within you. Mm-hmm. Would that forgiveness, how would that forgiveness affect you in thinking about justice for this person who committed this this criminal act? Well, I guess yeah. what I'm asking is, is does forgiveness mean that you don't necessarily want the justice for the person? 
Uh, I don't think it means that at all. I think justice is on a different um it's it's a different playing field than forgiveness. So whether I want justice for this person or not, if he gets caught, he will face the justice system. Period. Whether I can make a victim impact statement, but mm-hmm. you know, that may or may not have any effect on his sentence. So you know, so it's you know making a victim impact statement and saying I forgave him is not forgiving. It's a social communication about forgiving. So, okay. for example, if I say to a person I forgive you, that's not forgiveness, because we know that the person could say I forgive you, and I go Oh, thank you so much, and I turn my back, and they stab me in the back. You know, what people say is not necessarily what they do. So the social interactions around transgressions, whether people say they forgive or don't forgive or whatever, is not to be confused with what's going on inside them, with whether they've made a decision about how they want to behave toward the person in the future, or whether they've experienced some kind of emotional replacement of negative emotions with positive, other-oriented emotions. Okay. Okay, and and I think that um i think that that we tend to give lip service to a lot of things that we think we should be feeling whether we feel them or not mhm yeah. does the fact that you are if if for example i were to say yes i forgive this person okay but in my heart of hearts i really still am hanging on to that resentment or or anger or whatever just saying it is not going to really benefit me, right? Right. It's a you saying it is a social act, you know. Uh saying it to myself, you know, but not feeling it. What what we make a big distinction between two types of forgiveness. So there there are these two types. They're not joined at the hip with each other, although they tend to be related about with a correlation of about point four. So um but but making a decision about that I I am going to make a decision in my mind I am going to not get revenge on that person. I am going to treat that person as a valued and valuable person. So that's a decisional forgiveness. And I can make that decision and stick with it for the rest of my life. Or I can make that decision, but I never carry it out because the person comes in the next day and hits me in the face with a pie. So I never get to carry out my decision to just let bygones be bygones and you know treat this person as a valuable person because they did something else and now I have to deal with that new event. So so a decisional forgiveness is what we call a behavioral intention. You know, it is is a decision about my intention about how I'm going to behave, not to be confused with how I really act, because I may never get to carry out my intentions for one reason or the other. 
person may die tonight or get you know or I may die tonight who knows so so then emotional forgiveness on the other hand is is usually not quite as quick to happen it tends to be more like a slow replacement that we don't have uh, an accurate measure for exactly how I'm feeling because it's affected by my moods and affected by other things that happen to me. But it's an emotional replacement of emotions like resentment and bitterness and hostility, hatred, anger, fear, with emotions like empathy for this person or compassion for the person or or love for the person if this is my you know my wife then you know and she were to hurt my feelings which of course Kirby never would do but <laughs> if she did uh you know it, it's like i can replace any kind of aggravation or resentment with love for her and just kind of ramp those love feelings up so yeah. So that is a slower process and a more herky-jerky process because, you know, I mean, we can't, we're not robots and we do things on a human basis instead of a kind of a very, you know, step-by-step-by-step type basis. Mm-hmm. So, Well, going I, I, again from my own personal experience, that emotional forgiveness um that just kind of evolves, doesn't it? It, it just, it, uh, it, unless you make a, uh, a conscious effort to just keep hanging on to something, uh-huh. doesn't it just kind of move into that emotional forgiveness? Where I guess maybe the the whole phrase of letting go. Where I mean, there's a there's a limit to how long you can keep gripping something before you just get tired of gripping it, right? Right, and so you know. Um, a psychologist named Mike McCullough down at University of Miami has done a lot of really great work with looking at what happens when people get hurt. And so what happens is they get upset pretty quickly after that, and the more that they kind of seethe about it, the, the angrier they get. And then pretty quickly they've reached... A, a peak most of the time. Then, over a period of about any place from a day to, say, two weeks, people's negative feelings coast downward. And they do it in what he has fit to a power curve. That is, it falls off pretty quickly at first, and then it kind of flattens out, and the change gets slower and slower until, you know, maybe they're not, they don't really care anymore. Now, the problem is sometimes people get upset and and they renew the hurt, and that is usually happening because they're ruminating about it. They're you know, just bringing it up like a cow ruminating, chewing its cud, and they bring it up, and it's messy, and, you know, and it just, it brings them right back to that really angry point. And so they don't allow themselves to just kind of coast out of where this won't matter anymore. And so maybe for years, they're thinking about this way that they got cut out of their father's will by this vicious 
sister that they had and you know and and so they every time they think about it they get upset and they renew the the hurt and the resentment so it depends you know really on the kind of some personal characteristics that that people have and and that is are they kind of agreeable by nature those people it tends to kind of flatten out quickly and they're like eh Eh, whatever, you know, this uh, bad stuff happens. If they are high in emotional reactivity, though, and so that every little thing brings back the uh, emotional power of this moment, then they tend to ruminate a lot. And so people have different dispositions toward rumination. Some people just are oblivious and they don't think about the you know, the bad things that have happened to them. And other people just perseverate on it and think about it all the time. So so different personality characteristics can affect how people respond to those hurts. And also different situations can. So if somebody hurts me uh, today and I never see them again, well, I am going to tend to just allow that unforgiveness to tail off. Mm-hmm. Unless yeah, it has no I, value. I got damaged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe if, like, you know, you get hit in the rear end, uh, merging onto the interstate and get injured, and that injury is in your face all the time. But, you know, then I'm not going to just let it go away. I'm, I'm going to get keep getting reminded about it. But if I have some event like I'm having struggles with a boss that's abusive and I see that boss every day and I have to go to work or if a woman is is being you know physically abused let's say by a partner and has to see that partner all the time and periodically this thing you know happens again then you know that's going to keep it refreshed and that's going to keep it uh, at a higher level, and um, you know, it's it's not going to go away on its own. Yeah. And what about the motivation of the injust the the person who perpetrates the injustice? Does mm-hmm. that make a difference to us when we're for- trying to seek forgiveness or when we're trying to achieve forgiveness? Yeah, it sure does. It uh, the whole way that that person acts is going to affect with the degree to which I can forgive the person. So if the person is willing to accept responsibility for what they did and call it a wrong, then that what that does is I realize that accepting that you know that I did wrong is hard. And so basically I reduce the sense of injustice that I'm experiencing because I think they suffered a little bit there. And so I feel less injustice was done, or it's not that was done, but I feel a current sense of less injustice. If the person apologizes and is really sincere and they're crying or they look really distraught and remorseful, then I go, oh, that was hard. 
and that reduces the amount of injustice. If a person says, can I make this up to you? Can I do something to make up for what I've done? Then making amends reduces the amount of injustice. The larger that injustice gap that I feel, the harder it is to forgive or to deal with in any way, whether I'm just accepting and moving on or forbearing or whatever. And the more justice that comes into that situation that I perceive coming into that situation, the more I'm willing to forgive. So notice what's happening here inside of me, my perception of justice is working right hand in hand with forgiveness. The more justice I think happened after this, the more I will be willing to forgive. So it's not that justice is operating against forgiveness, it's operating for forgiveness. Now, of course, the same thing... Go ahead, Everett, I'm sorry. Yeah, the same thing is true about the the attributions or the the causes I attribute to the person about why they did this. If I think that they did this because they're just an evil person, I'm not willing, very likely, to to want to forgive the person. But if I think, oh, it was an accident, they didn't understand what they were doing, as you know what you said before then attributions like that make it much easier to forgive. So so what we're seeing here is that there are situational you know things that happen that make it easier or harder to forgive and there are those personality and internal um dispositions that make it more or less likely uh for a person to forgive. Um, I have a um, message from um, uh, someone, a comment, and boy, this reinforces for me how I should have been Jewish. I don't know how I wasn't Jewish, but <laughs> so, many, uh, so many of the things I hear and read about uh, Jewish teachings, I think, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And what this person wrote is, um, she said, I love the Jewish teachings on forgiveness. The victim need not forgive the perpetrator unless they are sincere in their request for forgiveness have taken real steps to change the behavior and maintain it, and don't ever reoffend. And there are some things that can never be forgiven. Um, and I think that's key for me, what she says about their request for forgiveness. I will hear mm-hmm. people, I mean, how do you forgive somebody if they don't even want you to forgive them? Well, we already kind of talked about that because we said forgiveness is more of a self um uh, well, I'll say self-serving because I can't think of a better word, um, no. um, act, uh, that it's something that we do for ourselves, not necessarily for some other person. Um, mm-hmm. So that kind of makes sense to me. But what about the steps to change? I mean, I see people mm-hmm. saying all the time, oh, there's, this person did such and such, and then that person went on to do it again or went on to do it to somebody else, but then we're going to forgive that person. Mm-hmm. Doesn't there have to be some effort on the part of the person who offended or created the injustice to actually want forgiveness or to make some effort to change that behavior before they – if if there's no changing the behavior, how does it benefit to us for us to say, okay, you, you have my forgiveness? Yeah, uh... So I, I, you know, I love the 
that uh, Jewish analysis that it's um, Maimonides is you know drawing together a lot of the teachings from the rabbis and you know in the different sacred writings into a process by which people return to the path of God. So you know so. It, you know, Judaism values forgiveness, um, but it's embedded in the process of return. Uh, or as, you know, as uh, Maimonides said, it's teshuva. Uh, we'd call it repentance. Um, but so, so you know, that that is important. But also that's not all of the Jewish teaching on forgiveness because... On the Day of Atonement, uh, people can just forgive. They don't have to wait on the person to ask for forgiveness or plead or or show that they're never going to forgive again. You you have a choice of being able to just forgive. So you know, so there's uh, options in you know in Judaism that don't require that the person always. Uh, you know, does um, you know some kind of repentant acts? Uh, the the idea from Judaism that there are unforgivable uh, sins comes about from that idea that you you know if the person can't return, then you know you don't have to forgive them. It doesn't mean you can't forgive them, you see. So it's not really an unforgivable sin because on Yom Kippur, you could just forgive the person. But it it means, you know, you don't you have to because a person, for example, who's been murdered can never, uh, you know, grant forgiveness back to someone no matter how repentant they are. A person whose character has been assassinated, that can't be undone. There's no way to make amends from that. And so so in that case, you know, there are two types of problems that, you know, you can say, well, a person might never socially receive forgiveness for this, for having done this act. Um, so... You know, I think theology, whether it's Christian theology or Muslim theology or Jewish theology or pretty much any theology, is always complex, and the there there aren't those simple uh, interpretations that are like once and for all this is exactly the way it is. And there are always these exceptional cases and and uh, times when they don't apply. But, you know, I I think, you know, again, what I was talking about before with this injustice gap, this is human understanding of how much injustice was done to me. It's a tally I keep in my mind, and I keep adjusting that tally. And the more that the person asks for forgiveness apologizes, makes restitution, convinces me they're never going to do this again. The more that all of those conditions take place, 
the more that injustice gap is eroded away, making it easier for me to forgive. But, well, that's interesting, though, because what if you have a, a perpetrator or a person who who doesn't care whether you forgive them? Then right. your injustice gap just stays wide, wide open. Uh, and right, it might even grow. You know, yes. if if you know if if the person says I don't care, suddenly your injustice gap is larger than it was before. But, you know, that doesn't mean I cannot forgive them. It just means it's going to be a lot harder to forgive. So what we're talking about is how do you make it easier or how do you make it harder to forgive? And, you know, if a person is unrepentant and unwilling to take responsibility, and in fact you say, why did you do this terrible thing to me? And they say... I didn't do anything to you. You're the one who's at blame. You know, all of a sudden, you got a bigger injustice gap. It's harder to forgive. You can still forgive. But even if you forgive, remember, this happens inside your skin. This doesn't have much to do with what is going to happen socially between you. So here's here's a woman that's getting beaten up. You know, and she may forgive the person who's doing this, but that doesn't mean she has to go back in a relationship with this person. You know, it's not safe to go back into a relationship because that person is not trustworthy. And, you know, you you don't reestablish trust unless both people are trustworthy. If one person is just not going to be trustworthy, you know, it's not safe to go back in that relationship. So she can p- totally forgive but not have to reconcile with the person. Well, that brings me back to one of my other complaints and, and issues with this whole idea of forgiveness. It seems to me that forgiveness is synonymous with can I have a pass? Can I just have a pass for that bad behavior that I did? Um, because if you forgive me, then I've got a pass. And what <laughs> I'm hearing you say right now is that no, not necessarily. That forgiving exactly is right. giving the pass. That uh, you can still it, participate in their receiving social justice if, for example, exactly they have to right. court or whatever. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Am I and I, I am I interpreting this correctly? Because that Absolutely. that makes me better <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah forgiving is about things that happen in your mind and in your emotions throughout your body but you know you still negotiate the social surround you know i may forgive if i forget my wife's birthday you know she may forgive me very easily uh, but I don't want to say, oh, good, I'm going to take advantage of that. Thank you for forgiving me. I can forget your birthday every day. No, <laughs> not really. <laughs> not live through this. Because we have, uh, you know, a social ecology that we have to, uh, you know, pay attention to. So I need to go, you know, thank you so much for forgiving me, uh, you know, which by which I mean telling me that you forgave me. Um I you know what can I do to make up I don't want I don't want to forget 
our birthday. And, you know, she might say, well, you can just tattoo the date of my birthday on your forehead so that every time you look in the mirror, <laughs> yes. again, my wife well, would know, never I, do any of this. <laughs> I look up quotes for the shows. I try to end each yeah. show with a quote that, that means something. And uh, one of the quotes that I found today, I, I didn't want to use it to end the show, but I, I wrote it down because I like it. And it's by Robert Jordan, who I researched. Uh-huh. And he's actually the guy who wrote the Conan books. So go figure. Oh, uh, really? You know, how about yes, that? Uh, go go figure. A I really mean, sensitive uh, sensitive series, right? Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and he wrote, "Any fool knows men and women think differently at times, but the biggest difference is this: men forget, but never forgive; women forgive, but never forget." <laughs> so let me tell you the research on this. Uh, since uh, yes, we actually let's do the the Conan research. <laughs> yeah, we actually did a uh, a meta analysis of all the research that had been done on uh, sex and forgiveness, and so the findings of that meta analytic study, which you know analyzed over a hundred different you know, uh, research studies, was this. Men are four times as likely to try to perpetrate vengeance than women are. Mm -hmm. Women are twice as likely to hold grudges and (laughs) never forget, okay? Now, when it comes to forgiveness, though, they're pretty close together. Women are slightly more forgiving, but not enough to write home about. So, you know, in in response, I mean, pretty much Conan, you know, was just chanting right along with the research there. (laughs) He had the anecdotal evidence, apparently. That's right. Kind of embarrassing to admit that, but, you know, nevertheless. Yeah, well, so you guys could have saved all that time on research. I know. Why didn't I think of that? (laughs) Why didn't I think of that? Uh, <laughs> well, um, I'll tell you, I think it's this is a very interesting topic, and I wanted to make sure that we still have a little time left, but I want to make sure that before we close, you might recommend one or two works that you think would be particularly mm-hmm. helpful for people who are uh, perhaps seeking to understand forgiveness or perhaps trying to figure out how to how to do that. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'll give you a couple minutes to think of that um, while I move on to one other thing, and that is the perpetrator, and I say perpetrator because I don't know Mm -hmm. any other terminology for it, the person who transgresses, the person to whom we feel we need to forgive. Mm -hmm. Do you know the research on perpetrators, and do they... they, Let me try to phrase this in a way that makes some sense. It seems to me that when there is an injustice, the the person who has been violated is impacted so much more deeply than the person who has done the violation. Is there any research that shows that the perpetrators at some point, at any point, really care about forgiveness and whether or not someone forgives them? Yeah, uh, you know, so so we have a, an edited book that we're compiling. It's almost finished now, and I've written a number of other things, and you know, one book on self forgiveness. But in in looking at 
self-forgiveness, you know, which is much more not about forgiving, but it's much more the experience of the perpetrator. So when we think about self-forgiveness, it's usually because we're feeling a bunch of self-condemnation because we did something that we don't think is very good. And, you know, now what we're seeing uh, one of the things that we're seeing a lot of is people come back from having been in combat and, uh, you know, with this many years of being at, at uh, conflict with different uh, people. And we see people come back and they have been affected greatly by having done things they think are morally against their inner core or even observing other people do it and not interfering with that or just observing, you know, and not being not having a chance to do anything about it. And and that's now called moral injury that people experience these moral injuries to themselves where they've done wrong and they feel guilty, they feel ashamed, they feel regretful, remorseful. Uh, and and they they don't always look the you know I mean when you think of remorse and regret and shame and guilt you you have a picture in your mind of what this person is looking like with a head down and and you know sitting alone and crying they may not look like that at all because the way that this shows up may be a kind of a an attempt to not show the weakness you feel inside to the world outside. And this is especially true in people who have been involved in combat situations and and they've been in in a culture where you need to be strong and you not you should not show your weakness. And they may feel intense remorse. In fact, a lot of people have committed suicide as a result of this, you know, but nobody even realizes that they're having this remorse because they're, you know, coming out of that culture of self-protection that they have to, to do. So there there has been a literature on looking at the offender and uh, and seeing that, indeed, offenders... Uh, go any place from I did this just because the other person was so evil to me I was just responding uh, to you know I feel so bad I feel sick every time I think about this and they have intense remorse and and regret and and so there's this whole range of motives and emotions that people have which should be a kind of a cautionary tale to us that I shouldn't assume necessarily that I know what the person who did this is feeling. You know, I I usually, if I've hurt somebody's feelings, I didn't get up in the morning and say to myself, hot dog, today I'm going to ruin somebody's life. Yeah. You know, I said... But, but, ha- but you have had, I mean, I know... I've come to a realization recently that shocks me. I mean, I've always tried to be a nice person. I've always tried to be, you know, somebody who doesn't particularly hurt other people or walk all over them or anything like that. And and 
literally, and I'm I'm not a teenager anymore. I'm getting long in the tooth. And it, <laughs> it came to my attention not too long ago that, oh, my gosh, I have hurt people in my life. Uh-huh. Not mm-hmm. because I intended to, but mm-hmm. I've hurt them. And it right. really honestly never occurred to me before. Right. I think there's a there's a movie I saw way back with Jack Nicholson and oh Diane Keaton, uh, and I can't remember what the name of it is, but it's like uh, as good as it gets. Or anyway, I can't remember. But he has been, you know, a kind of a playboy. Jack Nicholson is playing the role of a playboy, and and he has these serial sexual encounters with people, and takes. You know, basically takes advantage of them for his pleasure. And in his interaction with Diane Keaton's character, who is a mature woman, that they relate on a man-and-woman, human-to-human basis instead of a sexual object basis, he comes to realize how much over the years he had done to hurt people. And you know, in the story, fiction, of course, but in the story, he goes and he looks up all these women that he has taken advantage of over the years and apologizes to them. So it's a very touching and, you know, it's, it's just a good story that hopefully, yeah. you know, would make us all think twice and maybe change some of our behaviors. We'll have to look that up. I'll have to look that up. We are coming to the end of our time, Evan. I've really enjoyed our conversation, and I hope mm-hmm. that you have gotten some enjoyment from it as well. Uh, I asked you a few minutes ago if you could recommend a book or a resource in case somebody would like to pursue more information about forgiveness. And um, also, we didn't get much of a chance to talk about it, but also about the, the self-forgiveness. Can you recommend a book or one of your articles, perhaps? I I can, and the easiest way, I'm going to give my website address. I'm going to give it once, and then I'll give people a chance to hunt a pencil in case they want to look it up. But there's hundreds of free stuff, you know, group manuals, individual workbooks that people can work through. So the, the my website is www.evworthington, that's E.V. Worthington, hyphen forgiveness.com now I'll give that in a minute but it's got you know these the results of these studies that we've done on running psychoeducational groups on uh, you know different uh, do-it-yourself workbooks and uh, and so people can download those work through them in word they're totally free so that, let me give you that website again, www.evworthington-forgiveness.com. Lots of okay, free stuff great. there. Thank you so much. We have mm-hmm. come to the end of our show. Ev, I really appreciate it. I hope you can come back and talk again sometime. Maybe we can talk well, more about the self-forgiveness thing. Yeah, that um, sounds good. I would like that. And, again, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I, I do try to look up quotes end the show with this because I think it's kind of fun to find out what other people have said about a, a topic that we've talked about. And today's quote, I think, is by, have you ever read The Kite Runner? It's a wonderful book uh-huh. it's by yeah. Khaled Hosseini. Right. And he has a quote that I think is just perfect for wrapping mm. up our show. He said, I wondered if that was how forgiveness budded, not with the fanfare of epiphany, but with the pain gathering its things, packing up, 
and slipping away unannounced in the middle of the night. And I think that probably for me that that says it as good as anything. Uh-huh. Thank you so much, Ev Worthington, for being yeah. with us. Thank you so much for the work and the research that you've done. Thank you for listening. And uh, think about this whole forgiveness. I know that I have thought about it before, and, and it's worth coming back to. Thank you so much for joining us on Three Women, Three Ways. Join us again next week when we talk about, well, you know what? I hope we're going to talk about next week, but we're going to try. Thank you for joining us, Three Women, Three Ways.